Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube and one of your co-hosts today. And I'm Herbert Goza, founder of Herbert Goza Digital. Now, today we are going to be talking about a topic that all of us should be thinking about, which is how do we stop getting stale and stay fresh when it comes to our strategy, how we think about marketing. But this, this conversation could really hit any kind of strategy that you're working on internally with your business. So it's totally relevant and even more so having probably undergone some of the most transformational changes any of us have had over the next last two or three years. So <laughs> I feel like this is a topic and a conversation that needed to happen. And we've got a wonderful person to take us through this. Uh, her name is Lucinda Lightley. Um, uh, Lucinda has a lot of experience. Like we're talking decades of experience in both education and marketing. She's an education marketing expert and also happens to be working with language search. So is very much inside our industry, inside our sector and uh, I'm very excited to have you. Thank you so much, Lucinda. Welcome, Lucinda. Hey, guys. Um, thank you very much for having me today. I'm very excited um, about this podcast, and I hope that we can bring some value to our listeners or to your listeners. <laughs> totally. So, Lucinda, we were kind of talking about a really interesting question, which was really around this kind of idea of, like, is your strategy whether that be marketing we'll, we'll focus on marketing as our kind of main angle today but as i say this is a universal kind of uh, conversation how do you stop your marketing strategy getting stale how about we just lift off with what have you noticed that makes us feel like hey there maybe some of us realize that there's a problem but we haven't really recognized it do you have any kind of uh flavor or context for this conversation for us um I think what I've noticed um, working with many um, associate oh, clients um, in my in my career is it's the, re the repetition of strategy. It's um, kind of doing the same things year after year, um, not making any changes to to the activities that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's much space for growth when you're in that situation. So what you mm. find is people have these set strategies year after year doing the same thing and not really listening to what's happening out there, what changes is happening. And um, yes, and as I say, I don't think there's a lot of scope for growth within that. Yeah. So uh, Herbert, I think this resonates with you as well. You've also worked inside and, and kind of probably had frustrations maybe you know, when you haven't been in the, the maybe if you haven't had the decision-making capability, looking at strategy that felt tired, regurgitated, boring, and not really expecting any better results because it's exactly the same strategy as last year. Yeah, uh, it's that, what, what, what do they say? Um, uh, if it's uh, not broken, um, <laughs> don't, don't fix it. Um, but also, uh, you know, you can get left behind if you if you don't update your strategy and uh, move with the trends of the market. And I often see it, especially when it comes to marketing or online digital marketing, that uh, a lot of um, people, a lot of institutions and schools aren't open uh, as much to to, to changing um, that. I tend to agree with you if you if you don't mind me um, butting in there. Yeah. I think um I think changes to a lot of, of people, especially in the education industry, can can come as a as a threat. They mm -hmm. think it's it's a scary thing, you know, what do I change? I, I know this has always happened. Um but it doesn't have to be scary. I mean you don't have to we're not talking 
um, you know, huge, you know, percentage of changes that everyone has to throw everything out they've always worked on. We're looking at within the strategy that you know works for you and that you feel comfortable operating within. We're looking at using different kind of words in your in your advertising. We, we're looking at, you know, how do you sell a product that you don't necessarily have to, to change the product, but being aware of what's happening in the landscape in education, which is constantly changing because students, let's face it, what they want is is evolving. And the reason they want it, the reason they want English, is it, it's changing. It doesn't mean you need to change your teaching. It just means how do we sell what we're teaching for? And, you know, and, and like, I guess what Herbert would do is, is do that kind of work with you is getting the right SEO, getting the right wording to advertise these things within your strategy. Yeah. I mean, marketing channels are changing. Uh, Students are consuming media differently and their buying behaviors are uh, constantly adapting. So uh, you also have to keep up with that. (laughs) Yeah. I actually also think there's the opportunity there. Um, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment called Langtech, and it really looks at you know what's happening in the industry and where it's going. But interestingly, the conversations I've had have also been around differentiation and standing out. And so the innovation may not necessarily be in the teaching, but in the positioning. Mm. And how you position could be exactly the same product, but to a, to a particular audience and done in such a way that it's innovative and fresh and it just blows the competition out of the water. And, and that's quite exciting uh, because it really shows there's a lot more scope when you think that you're not, you're, your own lever is not just teaching and how you teach, but how you market and how you position yourself. You, listen, you were talking about sales. You know, there's a whole other lever there that you can pull uh, that I think a lot of people are missing out and uh, to their detriment. And so, again, this conversation seems quite relevant in that way. Um, but Lucinda, you had some really quite actionable points. So I'm going to bring us to some sort of, uh, I guess, a rough scope of what we're going to be talking about today. And we can go, go through your, uh, your various points. So one of the first things was uh, really about listening and learning and staying informed. So listen, how do we do this in a way that kind of feels like this could be a cultural thing, like a permanent thing, rather than... Oh, sometimes, yeah, I do look at LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from experience, I think there's so much content out there now, isn't it? I mean, if you look at LinkedIn, if you if you look and I'm I'm talking about LinkedIn specifically, because from from a from a corporate perspective and where we can see products are going it's a very informative and a very you know um good good place to go find the articles condensed from whether it's from the pie whether it's from study travel um and if you ensure that you read this constantly you will find the buzzwords that's going on you will find the changes in the industry that's happening just by finding and seeing the patterns because you'll start it will start popping up in more and more articles more and more posts and as soon as you see these changes happening you can take that back to to your school or your university or agency wherever it is that you might be and see how can i adapt by ensuring that i am now also talking about this how can I be one of the first people to respond to this? And again, as we just said before, it doesn't mean you now need to go and employ more staff and, and change your strategy. It could just be, um, I think I mentioned the example earlier um, about the new buzzword is all about employability. So we know students are so focused on the fact that 
They need to speak the language. They might go and do a degree, but they might, they need to have a job very soon after that or during that. So, okay, so we have an, a, a part of our company that does employability stuff, but you as a language school um, or an agency can buy into that kind of culture. You can say, well, our language will help you do this course to help you, you know, get the employability stuff sorted. So it's all about, like you said before, Alex, the positioning. It's mm. how do I speak and push what I already do, but to fit in with what is the latest buzzwords. And that keeps you, you know, it keeps you relevant and keeps you up to date. I wouldn't mind kind of going, I would sort of add one bit that I think we're missing here. And I think it's because it's already inside you, listen to it. But it's also having the mindset mm-hmm. of wanting to stay fresh and resilient, right? Like if you don't even have the mindset, if you don't feel that there's a problem to solve, not just once, but like constantly, yep. that is really going to hold this whole, everything that we talk about now mm-hmm. is going to be held back because you just, it, it'll come in and it'll go out. But it sounds you're really passionate about this idea of creating this culture that fits into this listening, learning, staying in touch, being connected, talking to your team, being resilient. And again, that's a cultural uh, concept and a mindset concept, not just a, a tactic that you can apply from a book. I guess, I guess, I guess it's true. Um, what you, Yes. What you say is true. I think it is. I am, I am very passionate about what I do. It's uh but I think if you, every company has that person, right? That you will find them, and um, and I think it it brings us to point four a little bit. If I if I can jump to point four um, sure. here, um, we said earlier, you know, a strategy and and all those kind of things, very top heavy. It's very commercial, and it's usually a certain group of people that is involved in making these decisions. Hmm. Um, it's not always kind of tapped through or dripping through to to other to other stuff, you know. Um, and I think you need to get your teachers involved, your reception staff. You need to get your activity staff involved. Mm. You need to get your admission staff involved, you know. And in within that group of people, they've you know they all talk to pres- prospective clients. They all talk to prospective new partners. They all work with the product intimately. There's not better people to actually have involved in these discussions and to say, what do you think? This is our overall strategy. This is where we're going. Do you guys believe in this? And how would you tweak it if you could? And I mean, you will find those, those little lights, you know, that is like, yes, this is great. And they will incite their teams and, and, and so on and so on. So absolutely doable. And I think we need to create that culture where everyone is involved and everyone has at least a bit of a say and a, and a buy-in into where you're heading with, with, with the strategy. Listen, I think what can go wrong, though, is if it's not done wholeheartedly, right? Like if you bring them in and then you're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> like that's not going to help. Um, but equally, I I think people might resist this and I'm kind of going to vocalize what maybe think of people to think is they don't actually know as much as I do, um, A. And then B is maybe the sense of, oh, I can't do everything by committee. I don't have time for that. So I wonder, how would you get across those objections or even internal objections if people are quite honest? They, may actually, they might actually think it rather than vocalise it. But I think I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if a number of people struggle with this concept of like, oh, it's just too much work to try and get everybody involved and I don't want my decisions to be run by committee. Um, I think 
having decisions run by committee is probably putting it very strongly for what mm-hmm. it is that I have in, in mind or how I would approach it, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's more of a let's have a coffee and a chat kind of thing. It's more about you know this is what we this is what we're thinking about. This is it's about your commercial director or the person in charge of the strategy. Again, as you said, you need to be passionate about it. You need to want to do it. This is something that I would say is important enough to mm-hmm. put the time aside to do if you want the buy-in. And I would do it more in a in a sense of having those, how are you guys doing? We're thinking of doing this. Have you got any ideas? Is there anything you've heard that would work? Does it fit in with where we want to go with it? Um, there will always be objections. I agree with you, Alex, but I think... Um, if you want, if you really want to have the strategy that doesn't become stale and that doesn't become repetitive, because the killer of a strategy is saying, I have no time to do this properly. That's why people are stuck in, mm. um, in stale mm. strategies. I think you make the time for these things if you want to implement the changes. For me, there's a systematic aspect that you said there. So if I want to ensure that my strategy is fresh, simply mm-hmm. ensuring that I've always got new and fresh minds looking at my strategy is a way of me ensuring that that happens right so if you only always have the same people in the same room having the same conversation you'll have exactly the same one you had last year so do you have any ideas about how you can systematically ensure there are fresh voices in this well um the same people can have fresh voices if they stay informed Mm-hmm. If you are staying informed, you're constantly reading your articles, you're constantly making sure you know what the industry is up to, mm-hmm. your decisions cannot be anything else but new and fresh. Mm-hmm. If you are, um, like I said earlier, if you are, if you are out there, if you are aware of what's going on, you bring that into these meetings. But this needs to be a very agile approach as well. I'm not talking about once a year, everyone going nuts trying to read everything that is they consuming bulk loads of articles, you know, I'm saying, you know, by definition, the agile approach is continuous, incremental, small changes, right? That's what we're talking about. So by the time you get to next year, I say I say next year, we get to September, you should be having your new strategy already, don't you, especially in our industry. But by the time you get to the, okay, what are we going to do next year? You're already almost sitting within a strategy that has formed itself throughout the year by constantly implementing small changes. You know where you're heading. You've done it already. You're just enforcing that or reinforcing that. And then in this year, having the discussions with these relevant departments and saying, what do you think? You know, is this the right way we're heading? So it's a con, I, I guess that's it. That would be my answer. <laughs> that makes sense. And that makes it uh, feel much less uh, overwhelming. I, and I love the analogy of, you know, small uh, incremental uh, changes. Alex, we've, uh, talked about uh, doing experiments and doing tests, you know, constantly to improve uh, your strategy, your your business. And uh, I think that's a great way um, forward. And then, yeah, as you said, at the end of the year, then all of a sudden the, the strategy could be completely different to, to last year. And, um, you, you know, Herbert, one thing that um, I have found um, is a lot of the time, a strategy is devised and people go with it. Then you have the digital team that is kind of trying to scrambling to do digital activity that does not at all fit in with what the structure is. You know, then you have, you know, words that students are using 
about studies that they're taking that never reaches the digital team. So mm. they're advertising it in what they think is a very formal way when actually yeah. it could be done in a, you know, they could reach so much more audiences if they were using the, the correct lingo as such. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's have a, a, another look at your... Um, your second kind of concept. One was the, the first one was around listening and learning, and you mentioned LinkedIn as kind of a major source for you, magazines, staying in touch. Um, the second point, actually, we jumped to this idea of talking to your team, teachers, stakeholders, and including them. Let's go back into this idea of keeping in touch with networking. What does that mean to you, and how does that keep your strategy fresh? Um, one thing that I found has really worked well is. Um, going to as many face-to-face events as you feasibly can. But how important it is to join the virtual events as well. So I think for me that point was um, don't not do it because it's virtual because I think it's very, very important. But don't just do virtual because for for both events, I have found very different type of partnerships. Mm -hmm. I found that when I was talking to people face-to-face at events, you know, you would just, the conversation would go in different directions, right? Because you're there, it feels like you, time is a bit more fluid when you're face-to-face. Um, what I have found, which is quite interesting, I have found that when you've made a new connection in a face-to-face event, the actual implementation of that takes a bit longer mm-hmm. than a virtual idea would have taken. And it's only because a virtual is so time time-framed and you have X amount of time to discuss, and you almost have your first few bullet points ready by the end of a virtual discussion um, mm. to follow up, where face-to-face always ends with, let's get in touch, let's talk about this further, and you then actually only you know get in touch and do it. But I think um, just in the last year, I mean, there's been some pretty significant partnerships that has occurred and happened from going to face-to-face events um, and networking and asking the right questions. And again, it takes us back to being informed because you could speak to the same person and not ask the right questions and walk away and never know what the potential partnerships could have been. But by asking questions and a lot of questions, but going in there, asking the questions, being informed of what's happening in the industry, you then get those people talking and saying things that you realize, well, we can connect you and we can do something here. So um, being, I can't say enough about staying informed and knowing about the trends and then asking questions and listening and networking with as many people as you possibly can because you learn so, so much. Uh, One of the things I'm sort of uh, trying to figure out the right answer to is when you're in an in-person event, it's very easy to create much easier in my view to create one-on-one connections mm-hmm. in a much more serendipitous way right so i can yeah. go to an event there's lots of people um but in an in-person event who knows who i'm going to meet but i'm sure i'm definitely going to meet some people and, and it works out great and I, I find that really helpful in an online group event it is very much everyone's an attendee or you're a speaker and there's a lot less interaction so how do you bring the networking online to something more meaningful than uh, or, or, or at least kind of resembling that same sense of like actually getting to know people when you're in an online event. Um, 
you're right. I find I find those group discussions quite excruciating sometimes. <laughs> it can be quite difficult to manage them. Um, again, when you go into a virtual event, I think research is going to be there a lot more intensely than you would go into a face-to-face event. Mm-hmm. When I'm going to a virtual event, um, you usually have a delegate list beforehand. You usually know who is who. Um, and going back to the principle of being informed, when you go in there, you already know who it is that you potentially might want to establish something. Yes, you probably maybe miss an opportunity because you can't speak to everyone. Bearing in mind, you you will more than likely see the other people at a face-to-face event. But for that specific event, research who's going, know what they're doing, know how they fit into the latest industry trends and movements and how you as a company want to make that a part of your of your personality almost mm-hmm. and um and that way you know go straight for for them it sounds very hunting doesn't it but it kind of is <laughs> isn't it so yeah just stay just be really really good at who's going to be there and what they do uh, Herbert, do you have any ideas or um, strategies as well about how to make better use of online events, not just for staying fresh? Because, you know, that's what these online events, there's often like an educational element to them. But mm. do you have any concepts or, around sort of the networking aspect if you can't be there in person, for example? Yeah, you you really have to be on top of, uh, you know, who's attending and mm-hmm. and basically make like a, a, I mean, this is what I've done in the past is, is make a small list of, of yep people uh who you want to meet um do your research because uh, you don't have a lot of time uh unfortunately on on online okay. events um and and be quite deliberate about it um you know in 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 person you can really go with the flow it's more natural you know you get a drink with someone um but uh it's it, it's got to be quite researched and and well prepared uh for online yeah just this is i'm just trying to figure out how i would think about it and you guys are both kind of like coloring that for me but i think i'm sort of feeling that my in-person events is where i go to actually meet people that i can have like a long-term relationship with whereas when my online events are typically i am looking to gather how i stay fresh right like that's my educational professional development and that kind of things but what I would also do is when you're actually at these online events, if there's any way to see the names of who's there or if somebody's particularly vocal, don't be afraid even just to reach out to that person directly on LinkedIn, say, yeah. we're at the same event. I heard your questions. I thought they were great. Would you know? And I actually even use the excuse, look, in-person networking is, has been hard the last couple of months. Would you mind if we just had like a virtual coffee and just discuss some of the ideas that we were discussing in, in that event? I'm really interested and I thought your questions were bang on. Often, I think somebody will meet with you, and then you really Absolutely. can kind of have that that one on one. So uh, maybe maybe an idea to work with. But going back to our kind of list of uh, ideas, we'd we'd gone through the first two pretty pretty straightforward. Learning, listening, keeping in touch is the second point. Now, keeping connected again. This is an area that you know a lot about, Lucinda. What about these associations? Tell me about what you feel are you know, some of the, the, the best ways to stay in touch, particularly maybe around the language area since this is your sector and you know it so well? Um, yes, yeah, so what I've, um, if there's a good way to get decision makers together, um, it is like, for example, um, being more active in an English UK type of environment. And I'm, I'm going to talk 
quite a bit about the UK, obviously, because I'm, I'm based here. But and, and I'll say I'll talk about English UK specifically um, is finding a way of how you can get more involved there. I mean, there's obviously agency associations. There's, um, you know, there's Alto. There's, there's, there's associations with the, with the intent of getting a group of people together to talk about things that's happening. What, you know, um, I personally, even though I'm working as a, for an awarding body, which is an exam, going to the English UK events, I find hugely, hugely beneficial because not only do I get a bunch of decision makers in one room to have discussions with, they talk about relevant topics and how they're being affected. And usually how they're being affected is, I'm, would, would microcosm be the right word of what is globally happening, right? So if you mm-hmm. can see trends there. So it all, it's, it's all about staying informed again. It all goes back to that kind of point. But the staying, the keep connected is you, you meet the right people, introduces you to the right people, and, you know, we sometimes have conversations that has, and I voiced some of my concerns and they came up with solutions and said, well, why don't we help you? And, and we create this, this and this to help you answer those questions, which then helped me to help our own marketing department. So, um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very important to be a part of something like that. And they care about what you do, right? They're there to, to care and support you. So however you can, back is a good thing. Uh, Herbert, are there any associations that you kind of know quite well as well? Just so it gives people again fresh associations could be fresh connections, fresh ideas. Absolutely. Uh, there, are, I've been to many uh, association conferences uh, this year. Um, uh, Languages Canada, Quality English is an excellent association. Uh, ELK uh, language schools, and you know they always say there there is there is strength in the numbers and that couldn't be more true, even though, uh, you know, if you join an association, those other schools are probably your competitors, but it is a very collaborative. It is very um, a caring uh, community mm-hmm. and they will probably have the same, the same problems, the same pain points, challenges that you are experiencing and they all get together and solve them together so that everyone can move forward and, and thrive um, from from it. So I, I'm a huge fan of uh, associations. One tip also could be there's nothing stopping you from picking out five people in there that you really respect and kind of having your own little micro gathering and not doing it necessarily once a year, but doing that in a kind of quarterly basis with the idea of going, this is a way for us to stay fresh is to have a conversation. It's in the calendar every quarter. We meet up. If it's online, if it's in person, uh, but that way you kind of systematically are staying fresh rather than again waiting uh, yep. to know what's happened. That's quite a that's a long time to wait to know what's happening. Uh, you kind of want to be able to stay a lot fresher than that, uh, and maybe even create your own little mastermind group where each of you kind of is has got some accountability. Then there's a little bit of structure. There's lots of opportunity then for kind of discussions about things afterwards. But uh, that would be my tip on staying fresh when it comes to uh, staying connected with associations and creating your own associations. Uh, let's spend a bit of time on the last point here before we finish up today, which is on staying you know, resilient. You know, how can you stay agile, I think, is the word that you uh, talked about. Listen, so why don't you start us on, on this particular point? Um, I guess that point takes me back again to, to, to what the agile methodology is, right? Um, 
continuous incremental improvement through small and frequent releases. Um, that's the actual um, word of it. And I think um, staying resilient is is staying agile and coming again to the stale marketing strategy that we said is there's no scope usually for any kind of thing coming up. So what we need is for people to be able to to have that that flexibility when there is suddenly a big shift in our industry, when there is suddenly a big buzzword or a big change, how much capacity do you have to implement something new? Mm. Have you put yourself aside a contingency fund? You know, have you got a fast enough sign-off process? Because my goodness, a lot, a lot of companies have a sign-off system that takes, I mean, it goes through 345 people before it even gets to the right person. You know, it's not agile enough. It's not fast enough. Mm. You need to have some people, trust is a big thing. Some people need to have authority to sign up certain level stuff so that you can have decisions made quicker. And that comes with having the human capacity to do that. Because, of course, for every new idea, there's, there's also departments involved that needs to implement stuff, right, Without, however small it may be. So, so yes, you know, stay resilient is like be, be able to take the punches and move with the flow. You need to be able to, to take different directions when, when it's necessary for the business to flourish. For me, what you're talking about, again, goes back, it it is your point around this culture piece. Like, you have to have the right culture to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I think you brought a couple of themes in my head, and I'll just spin them off, and maybe you can run with them, Lucinda. First one was, like, when you're hiring people, I don't think that many people just want to be a robot, a widget on the shelf. Most people want to contribute in some way. And so if you've got a culture that stamps down on anyone bringing anything new, so that they feel like it's a waste of time contributing. That's the end of you kind of getting their buy-in or getting their fresh ideas, which they may have amazing ideas. So culturally, and that comes down to leadership. If you're listening, no matter what part of your organization, you're a, you're a leader of something. And so I feel like that's really important. The second part that you brought up was, um, I do actually see now your difference between resilience, which is like creating capacity and agility, which is the systematic way of incremental approaches. I, I get that now. I think that was lovely the way you put that. Uh, the idea that you said around maybe maybe not spending all of your budget, like having all of your budget signed off on yeah. day dot, right? Because otherwise, mm-hmm. like, how can you have a, a, a agile strategy if you've already locked in the entire yep. year ahead's yeah. budget? That doesn't make any sense to me, right? No, and there's constantly new... Um... If I if I may, uh, even just this this year for me was in you know in the middle of the year after age one saying okay what worked and what didn't work and then thinking I want to focus more on a different channel mm-hmm. because you know I'm getting a lot of traction there mm-hmm. and then by focusing more on that channel I realized oh there's three or four events I would really like to go to that wasn't budgeted for because it wasn't part of the you know historically we mm-hmm. go to all these set kind of events. But And by being a bit more agile and having a team that can respond to that, managed to get onto them, and they were very good, you know, really, luc- not lucrative, but productive and will be lucrative. But you know, you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, having being able to have that little bit of fun set aside for these kind of changes could be very, very good in the long term. That's great. We're coming to the end of our time, but we've gone through, you know, five brilliant ways of us staying fresh and particularly 
avoiding what we don't want, which is a stale, stagnant, regurgitated strategy every year, which actually is quite boring, by the way. Like as leaders, it's boring. You know, we want to have things that are interesting and make us feel like we're growing. So you talked about keeping listening and learning as the first one, keeping in touch and networking is your second point. Third, keeping connected you know, with associations and others. Keeping talking with your team is a, is a big point. Um, really talking you know, and in, including those stakeholders from teachers to students. Um, they all have a part that can play in keeping your strategy fresh and really responding well to the market and finding new opportunities. And then your fifth point I thought was brilliant about staying resilient, but also staying agile and those two things being slightly nuanced. So Lucinda, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lucinda. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it. You were brilliant. Thank you. Now, Lucinda, how can people stay in touch? We're all about connecting. So how can people (laughs) stay in touch with you? Um, Well, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, um, under Lucinda Lightly. Um, which I guess would be the easiest way. Um, How do we spell your last name? Just in case I, I know that you could easily spell that wrong. So it's um, L-E-I-G-H-T-L-E-Y. <laughs> yeah, but somebody made a spelling mistake halfway through that. So that is, <laughs> definitely make sure you get the spelling right. Lucinda, lately, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Herbert, where can people find you? Uh, and our website, herbertgerza.com. And you can find me at learncube.com and no doubt uh, try us out. And and also one thing I would say is hit that subscribe button for the Get More Students podcast. We really try and help our audience here of language and tutoring leaders and professionals. So hit that subscribe button and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again. Bye now. Bye. Bye.